With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Dashlin. I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I was in the press box Saturday covering that thriller down at Fresno State. It's probably one of the best games you're, you're ever going to see, at least at least the, la- the finish of the game. At three touchdowns and what was 110 seconds, it's kind of hard to beat. Joining me on the podcast is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. So where did you uh, where did you watch the the Fresno State game? My living room, watching the game up and close and nervous the whole time through. Do you stand or sit or or yell or uh, scream yeah, or stand. do nothing? Uh, I scream. My dogs couldn't go to sleep. Game finished at like eleven thirty. Uh, yeah, I was standing the whole time. I had no idea what time it was. I was on the sideline for the last, oh, I don't know, probably seven minutes, and I, I had no idea what time it was. It was just, it was just chaos, you know, going on down there. And I was down at the end where they scored, and um, I mean, I, I kind of thought Jonathan was going to go for it. I, I, I didn't have the exact, exact sequence right of how he was going to do it when he sent the field goal unit out. I thought Fresno's got two timeouts. They're going to probably use them both. I thought maybe after the second one, he'd send out the Coletto package, and he sent it out after the first one, and then and then they sent it out again and changed the play. So, what uh, I guess just to start with, um, I mean, what what were your thoughts on on, on going forth there on on the, on that play? I mean, so for me, I had me and a whole bunch of alums in a group text, and we're sitting there like screaming in the group text, like in all caps, like "Go for it!" Like. This has been a crazy game. I don't see us winning in overtime. Go for it. Go for it. And he put out the, uh, you know, the field goal unit. And I was like, man, is he that safe? Like, he just wants to put it in overtime and gamble it. And that was a gamble on its own. But then when they called the second time out, I was like, oh, this guy's a real chess player. Like, when I saw Coletto go down, I was like, yes, here we go. Like, it's showtime. And loved every moment of that. And after the second timeout, I was like nervous if he was going to go back and throw out the, you know, just going for three again. Yeah. But when he kept Coletto out there, it made me hyped. Like I was so beyond nervous, excited, stressed. Uh, you name it, I had that emotion. And I mean, I could tell they said like right after he scored, they said uh, Coletto literally came to him and said, I got this. And I was like, yeah, this guy's a dog. Like he's here to win and only to win. And I loved every moment of that. So who are some of the guys on your group text? 
So I have Gabe Ovgard, Drew Kale, uh, Luke. I have Adam Sosman. The only person we really don't have in it is Marcus McMarion. And this was like my whole household. So I have Timmy Hernandez too, Colby Taylor. There's a bunch of us. And we just sit there and talk back and forth the whole game. And that's just to name a few. Marcus McMarion, that would have been some smack talking going on during that game, wouldn't it? Well, normally he's in our group text. Uh, you know, I think he might be in it. He just doesn't say much. Yeah. Sometimes you forget how many people are actually in your group text. Yeah. That's kind of the player's mentality is that they always want to go for it. You know, they don't, they're disappointed if they send the kicker out and that, I mean, that kind of how it goes. You, you guys, I, the, rarely do you see coaches actually do that, but the players, they, they're always leaning that direction. Well, what I love about coach Smith is that he's a coach for the players. And in that moment, I feel that Oregon state had all the momentum needed and it, it took the whole game for them to get to a point of just like on the full attack, which was annoying, but at the same time, such a great moment. And I think they were just like, we got this. And I believe that he believed in them. And that's what I love to see from him. Cause I mean, yeah, I would have gone for it. Cause that atmosphere, when you're completely sold out for that game, that's not a place I want to stay in any longer than I have to. And if I can come out with the win right there, and I believe in them. Yeah, I'm taking my chances. Well, statistically, I I think it was the it was the right call because I mean, if you go into overtime, it, it's really a best fi- a fifty fifty deal, you're, and you're playing on the road, so it's probably not fifty fifty. And you know, your defense is gassed. Whereas if you go for a two point, if you go what well, essentially is a two point conversion, I I believe the the odds are like fifty. Four percent or something like that, and then if you add Coletto into the mix, the odds got to be even better just because of how efficient he is on those plays. So, I mean, statistically, it seemed like the right call, but still, it takes some guts to do it. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's a it's a huge gamble. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, so, kind of, what were your your sort of thirty thousand foot thoughts on on what you saw from the you know the entire game? I mean, overall, if I were to grade our play, I'd probably say a C. I wasn't very impressed with, you know, going from a great week, first week, and playing great defense, multiple interceptions, great stops, to it almost felt like we just sort of died out a lot of the time. And, I mean, the ball was being thrown around everywhere, uh, penalties here and there. But, like, overall, we came out with a win. The run game started looking great at the end. Uh, there was some hits on multiple times where like it looked good and then it didn't look good. So, I mean, overall, I gave it a C. I'm nervous now to see how we go into Pac-12 play. But at the same time, I see a lot of upside because when you come out with a win that big, you know, I think that the momentum is going to stick. But at the same time, it was against Fresno State, which they're not the Pac-12. So like going in with USC and UCLA and um what Arizona state, it's going to be a lot rougher as it goes on. So I think that was a great momentum win and we sort of have to ride and figure out all the little details and, you know, make sure our run game's stronger and pass game look pretty decent. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what I, I thought a little bit of that too. I, you know, you always like to think you're going to improve, make your biggest jump from game one to game two and improvement. And I, I mean, just on the surface, I didn't really feel like Oregon state, 
you know, made a big jump in, in quality of play from game one to game two. There was some, you know, there were some, you know, they didn't turn it over. That's a plus. They didn't have a lot of offensive penalties. That was a plus. They ran it better. Um, but I mean, the defense, the defense did give up, you know, quite a few yards, even if they didn't, you know, break in the, in the red zone, which is, which is pretty key. But I, I think you have to step back and go, who and look at who you're playing and and fresno state is a good football team they're going to win 10 maybe 11 games this year i they're probably going to lose to usc but i bet they give usc a good game and then uh, who's going to beat them in the mountain west you know maybe air force i i just i just think that quarterback he's just he's right up there with the best oregon state's going to see so you know maybe the improvement was you know part of it was they just they had to play Fresno State, and they're really good. And I, I mean, I think Fresno State probably finishes in the top half of the Pac-12 this year because I, I think they're really good. But if I were to be positive in this game, like the optimistic side that I saw was that we saw we have a lot of playmakers that can show very high glimpses of you know spotlight potential, you know. But again, the game was very nerve wracking. I, I think that like you were saying as well, we didn't play our best game. Uh, there wasn't like a huge jump or like, you know, like a lot of positive to see from Boise state to Fresno. Yes. Fresno is a great team. I agree. But at the same time, uh, you know, you have your pack 12 teams that are play at a caliber in my mind, a lot higher where that's where it becomes rough because we're not in the mountain West. We're in the pack 12, we're in the power five. So, you know, I expected, a little bit better play, but at the same, just from watching the first game, I'm happy we came out the win. And there's a lot of things I think we do need to work on now, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it's a positive to be two and zero oh and feel like you got a lot left in the tank that you can, you can get better at. But um, yeah, I've been trying to see, you know, just kind of figure out what this win means. I sort of looked at, you know, the last fifty years how Oregon State's done in non-conference road games, and they've won nineteen times over. 50 years, which is not a lot. And, you know, a lot of those wins weren't over great teams. I mean, this really is one of the, there's probably maybe two or three non-conference games they've won on the road that are bigger. They beat a couple of ranked teams, but I mean, I really thought this was going to get them in the top 25. I mean, it's not a big deal that they're not, but I, I, I think, I think some of the people that vote on this thing were kind of underselling how, how big of a win this is. And, Again, I guess if you're a top 25 team, you got plenty of time to show it. I mean, not maybe Montana State, but I mean, if you win this next week and beat USC, you're certainly going to get in the top 25 then. But I, I, I think the Oregon State is is sniffing around being a top 25 team for sure. Oh, agreed. And I, I also think, I mean, to go off your point, like historical on the road wins, we've never won at Fresno State. So for or been a long time if they have and so for that win it i think that's a huge positive boost on top of i don't even can't even recall how many games he won on the road last year but i don't think it was at all any or one so you know for us to go out and get that win on the road it's a definite positive boost and yeah they, they have chance soon to you know break top 25 and you know i think it's just dot and t's and um we'll see what happens soon but Rough game, stressful game, nervous game, exciting game. You felt all the emotions in it. And I think that it's something positive for Oregon State fans to look forward to and seeing, 
you know, wanting to be at that game and yeah. feel that excitement and feel that nervousness. And it's something that I think we've missed for over a decade now. Right. So let's talk some Jack Coletto here. Um, I'm assuming you didn't have a guy like that on your team when you played at Oregon state. And I mean, most teams don't have a guy like that. Um, how do, how do teams rally around a guy like that? You know, just from an inspirational standpoint, I, you know, I watch, I, you know, I, I kind of walked around with the team after the game on the field. I mean, they're just all over Jack and they, they, you know, everybody seems to love Jack and what he brings to the table and all that. And I mean, what what do you what what do you think he does for the team inspirationally? Inspirationally, so in metaphoric terms, you have a person that lights a small flame, you know, like just a small flame, but he's a fire. He's that guy that you can rally because of how hyped and how much you have, you know, like you believe in him. And when he gets steps on foot on the offense, it's like we're going somewhere because it's not like he he breaks a couple for one or two, but he's getting first down. But then he always breaks one for like. 20 30 40 yards and it's just like how is this guy doing this and he's just so big and you they have so much faith in him on all the hardest moments and it's not even that he's scared nor they're scared it's like we have this and like they rally behind him so well to have all the utmost confidence in him and i mean even fans they see him and they get hyped. They know something's going to happen great. And like the closest person in my generation and my time that I played that I can think of was Ryan Nall at the at that moment. But he's a small comparison to what Coletto brings to this new Oregon State football team. Yeah, I don't think Ryan Nall played on both sides of the ball in all four special teams. But yeah, I no, I, I yeah, I I would say he's probably probably as close as you could get. But he he wasn't yeah, straight. He wasn't stretched quite. He wasn't stretched quite as thin <laughs> as as Jack is. I mean, Jack's playing as much probably as anybody on the team, given you know all the teams that he's on. I you know it's hard to add up how many plays he's on the field on special teams and defense i was about to say i would love to see how many snaps he plays per game because i remember most snaps i played per game was against like usc i had like 75 and i was exhausted and so this kid's playing crazy more amounts yeah i don't know that he's playing that many snaps but but it's it's kind of a mental thing where i mean you you got to prep for all that stuff too it's not like you know you, you're just locked in on your guy and concepts on defense whereas he's got to you know know pretty much everything that's going on both sides of the ball and all the special teams and so but he's a smart guy so I, he he can handle it but i kind of think jack is Jack's going to be worth two wins this team this season. I mean, I don't think they win Saturday night without Jack. And, that, and not just the last play. I mean, he scored a touchdown early in the game. He's there to convert <clears throat> a few other fourth, you know, third or fourth downs. You know, he's on defense. He does all the other stuff. I, I don't know if that – I don't know they win that game Saturday without Jack just because all the intangibles he brings to the field. And I think he's probably going to do it again at some point this season. I'm excited to see what happens throughout the season. And I, I potentially could say that I could see that happening again. Do I want that to happen again? Not really. No. That is really stressful. But I mean, could I? Yes. And I agree. Like, yeah, he defensive wise, he made stops. Offensive wise, he made touchdowns. So it's like without that piece, that centerpiece, it's, you know, you'll never know, basically. Yeah. But he is definitely 
a heavy piece of our offense and defense. Yeah. Well, I think as we as we had talked previously, you know, I, I don't believe Oregon State played its A game, and you certainly didn't think so either. But they found a way to win, and um, I mean, that's got to be a positive. Do you do you recall? Do you recall beating a, a, a decent team where you didn't feel like the team played all that well, but sort of just found found a way to to win a game? Or I mean, what, and what's that feel like when you do that? I mean, the game I can recall is actually the Oregon Oregon State game, the Civil War at Reeser. I mean, Marcus was our quarterback at that time, but you know, uh, truly honest, like I think we went into that thinking, hey, we have a lot of hope. I think we have a lot of potential in winning this game, but again it's that iffy situation like we haven't really won many games this year already uh but going into it you know you have all the positive hope you know you're going to run the ball hard you're trying your best and then when you come out with that win it's almost like a light like you see the future look so much brighter like so i find that like this team sees this future like they had a lift off of last year like they took m- multiple steps from last year and then coming to this year and already going two and oh that's already just positivity and they just see so much hope for one the future of Oregon State football two for this season in particular they have a special team and one that has not been like this for a long time and I think that you know coming from this win yeah there's not a a lot of positives but for them to come out with the win when they didn't play their best and still come out with the win it shows how much more potential there is. I mean, this team's two and zero, and I mean we're we don't have to, you know, we're not the team. We don't have to play it one game at a time and all that stuff. We, you know, I'm a reporter. You're, a, you know, former player and a fan. You can look at down the road. I mean, Montana State, Colorado, are wins in my in my book. They're really only two two wins away from being bowl eligible. Bowl eligible, really. It's kind of kind of kind of impressive for a program that you know not that long ago was clearly the worst program in the conference so um anyway the uh, thought I'd look at some of the positives from this game you know Deshaun I thought Deshaun Fenwick got the running game going it was it, it was better than a week ago um you know the offense didn't didn't commit a turnover and had only two penalties I I forgetting on on uh if they were really costly ones or not, but I know the defense had a lot, the penalties they had were a lot more costly. Um, you know, the defense did give up a lot of yards close to 500, but I mean, when they, when Fresno punched it inside the 25, Oregon state really stood up and, and, and shut them down. They, they got two touchdowns and one of them was the late one and the, and they held them to four field goal tries and they made three of those. So they came out of that with, you know, and six trips to the red zone is possible, you know, 42 points. And they, and they gave up what the two touchdowns, 14 and three, 23. So they, they gave up 23 points when they could have given up as many as 42 in that situation. So, I mean, that kind of won them the game, I think, is that, you know, that <laughs> how they, how they stood up pretty tall there in the red zone. Yeah. I think our red zone game, did look a lot better. Not necessarily shouldn't have got to it, but I am impressed and happy to see that, you know, within the 20, within the 30, we're down, we're ready to hunker down and play great defense. 
to where, you know, we're not letting up as much. And especially against that kind of quarterback and that kind of run game, it does show a lot of positivity. Uh, yeah, offensively, you know, not no turnovers is a great sign. You know, I think more times than not, you have little to no turnovers. You set yourself up for a great chance of a win. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of positives to it. Yeah, the run game looked a lot stronger. And I think week in and week out, we're going to get see the run game get even better. Uh, pass game, I loved seeing the run by um, Harrison. That screen was probably, I think, ESPN top five. I've never seen somebody take it like that. And especially for how late it was in the game, I think he showed, you know, like I'm a spotlight receiver. And, yeah, we don't just need Musgrave or we need Coletto. I'm here as well. And I I just, yeah, there's so much positive to see from that game. And so when they put all those pieces together, I can see something bright really happening. No, Harrison's a good receiver. He you just got to stop dropping the ball. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's literally he it. Just has, I mean, and he's not alone. Um, when you're when you're def- uh, one thing. I, sorry, I was going to say one thing in our group chat that was very talkative was we need Timmy Hernandez to come back and coach the receivers on how to catch the ball because oh my gosh, it was just like multiple great plays that could have happened and drop balls were just here and there. And I was, it is just baffling and stressful. Yeah. There were a lot of them the other night. Um, when, when, when you're a, when you're a, a defensive back and, and you've, and you're seeing guys dropping balls, what do you get? What do you, how do you react? I mean, do you, do you guys remind them that tell them, you know, do you talk to them and tell them, you know, uh, talk a little smack about it or, or how, how do you, or, or do you just feel like you can keep intimidating and they're going to drop them or how do you, how do you react to that stuff? I won't even lie to me more times than not. I'm probably not going to say anything just cause they're already in their own mental. And if I decide to talk trash, then it just makes them want to get fired up. So as soon as a catch actually happens, it, I don't know where it's going to go from there. So it's like one, I let them play their own mental game Two. Uh, you know, like a sigh of relief at that moment that they actually dropped something that I completely messed up on. And I mean, yeah, they're already in their own head. You could see it all night. They just kept doing it. So it's like, dude, get out your head, yeah. play football. Do you need new gloves? Yeah. Go to the sideline. So it's like, yeah, it was rough to watch. Yeah. Fresno State caught a lot of passes, obviously. They're, what what, do you th- what did you think of their receivers? Did you think it was the receivers that were making those plays, or was Oregon State giving them too much cushion, or or is Hayner just so good? He's you know he's he's good. I know that, but I mean, what did you think of the you know fact that Fresno was able to complete a high percentage of passes? I think they're good receivers. I do think that, but I do think I, I wouldn't even say that we gave them cushion because I mean most of the time we were trying to be really physical, which led to some of the penalties and a lot of holding calls. So it's like. Like I was saying the week before, oh, they're starting to get better as the corner position and being physical and not getting penalties. I lied because they went back and did it today or this past weekend. But, I mean, they were good receivers. And at times we gave them too much. I think they were just tired and just out there instead of, you know, like wanting to be out there. I think it was a great crowd. I think that going into that atmosphere – sort of strikes some nerves and, you know, scared some people. And at the same time, I think it gave them the understanding of what 
a great game looks like because we don't see that many people in the stands on a week-to-week basis. So, um, you know, having the newer guys and some of the older guys having that atmosphere with that great of receivers that they're guarding and I think that it was overall there's multiple parts to it that they just weren't yeah. prepared for or yeah another issue from Saturday night was uh third down conversions and you know I'm not gonna go get into this too much but I mean Oregon State was two out of ten on third down you're just not gonna not gonna move the chains and keep you're not gonna win games you know going two out of 10 on third down because you're giving the other team the ball too many times. But I started looking at some of the stats from that. I mean, it really wasn't the issue on third down. It was on first and second down. I mean, the, the average uh, distance they had to go was 8.4. They were in third and third and nine or long three times. Um, you know, they didn't have anything really shorter than third and four. So it was really, they got nothing done on first and second down a lot of the time. And then they got themselves in an impossible position on third down. So I don't know what, if you saw anything on, you know, from that standpoint. No. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like you can't, you're not going to win multiple, you're not going to win many games going two and 10, three and 10. I, I think that if you know, at some point in the game that that keeps happening and that's a trend, you just have to go to short game and, you know, just get the short yardage and c- get close to the third, like, you know, third and short. So you actually have to give yourself an opportunity to, you know, keep moving the chains. And that's where things get rough. I think we are trying to like, you know, deep balls. We go back to the same plays as the first game doesn't work out. Now we're, Second, third and long, second and long, first and long, or first and ten, second and ten. And it's just like you, you can't do those things. You know, you got to move the ball up the field, whether it's two-yard completion, four-yard completion, five-yard completion. Just take it inch by inch instead of, one, going for it long, having holding calls, scrambling, getting sacked, or we necessarily didn't get sacked. But, you know, just you can't try to – go for everything big or longer. You need to just play short game and move the chain slowly. Yeah. Gives you more time with the ball and it gives you more time to not have the other team have the ball. The uh I, I thought Oregon State handled the uh you know the crowd pretty well. I I didn't really notice any, you know, issues in terms of getting the snap off or anything like that. I I mean that was seemed like it was gonna be an issue going in. Down, down to Fresno State, I thought that place was going to be one of the toughest places they'd have to play, and they they handled it pretty well, which is a which is a good sign because I'm just looking ahead to some of the road games they got coming up. Uh, you know, Stanford's kind of a kind of a church like atmosphere. I don't know that that place is going to be too tough to play in, but and actually, some of those times, actually, the quieter places are, I guess, are some of the tougher places to play because. You're not you're used to getting yelled at, but <laughs> Utah will be tough, obviously, and I think Washington will be a tough place to play. I, I don't know about Arizona State yet. Kind of depends what's on the line, you know, for Arizona State at that point in the season. But um, I mean, what was your experience, you know, with with sort of hostile, you know, road road game situations? You were at what Minnes? I don't know if Minnesota was one like that or. Any of the Pac-12. Minnesota and Washington yeah. were the two. That was definitely, like, you know, the roughest. But I think we didn't, at that time, you know, we'd have a lot of false starts. Um, I think Coach Smith 
took great care of that. And the team took really good care of like, you know, like not having too many false starts. I think they played well under all that pressure. Yeah. Again, like you were saying though, I agree with the uh, Washington and the Utah game. I think those are going to be those two rather than Fresno state. So I think that if they were to, which they did overcome the Fresno state game, Utah will be their second hardest or first hardest really. And then it would be Fresno state. And then it's going to be Washington. But I think that they'll be fine when it comes to Washington. It's going to be getting over the Utah. Yeah. That's going to be the one. The, uh, the Beavers, they're now 2-0, and and they, they head to Portland this week uh, for their last non-conference game against, they play Montana State, they're an FCS school, uh, ranked number four in the country. They played in the national championship game last year. Um, they lost a fair number of players. They've lost five guys, lost, they had five guys on that team last year that are in the NFL right now, which is pretty impressive for an FCS team. Pretty impressive for any team, really, but um have you uh, have you ever been to, have you ever been to a game at Providence Park? I mean, I it would have to have been soccer, I would guess. But um. <laughs> yeah, I go to a couple of the Timbers and the uh, um, Thorns games. Yeah, I've I mean I've covered a couple of football games there, high school football games there, but it has it's been a while. Um, it's really not a you know a place that's set up great for football, but I think they'll they'll be able to make it work. Um, how do you? I mean, how do you think it'll fare as a as a football venue? I think it's I think it's going to be pretty decent crowd. Everybody's going to be a little bit more dispersed than normal, um, but overall, I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think there's going to be a lot of people coming out. I see a lot of alums in the area, and I ask everybody, "Are you going?" And if they're not, I tell them they better go because Oregon State's doing great so far, and uh, I think it's going to be a different kind of atmosphere just because the turf's going to be a little different, which I know the guys have already came up a couple times already and checked yeah. it out. Um, you know, I think that they'll be pretty, you know, ready for that different kind of atmosphere and seeing how it all plays out. It's going to be a different kind of game, but at the same time, they're there to play football and they know the place pretty well. Now I think it's going to work out for them and, They'll have the fans to rally behind. You know, I think it's going to be nice getting all the Portland alums, the Oregon State alums, back to seeing Oregon State football. Rather than going down to Corvallis, it's nice that they come up here and we get to see them and watch them really yeah. shine. Um, you know, this is obviously an FCS opponent, which, you know, is generally your to be crude. You're pretty much buying a win here. They occasionally big sky team will come in and, and, and beat the Pac-12 team, but in general, they're usually a win and often one-sided. But how how do teams how, how do players look at at an FCS opponent? Is is it is it sometimes a little hard to get up for a team you know you're probably you know better at at most positions and and whatnot? I would say for the average FCS school, yes, you know you you just sort of you're ready to play. You don't take them too lightly because they score a couple and, you know, all of a sudden you win just by a couple, a small margin, which you shouldn't be. But I think this game's a little different just because it's Montana State. Uh, you look at like even the last two years, Montana State is not back down to any FBS school. They sat there and beat Washington, what, last year, yeah, two years Montana. ago? So I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that they come in and take it. Uh, lost light, like just roll over and die. I think that they're we're gonna have to fight for this one, and I don't I don't see it being close, but I see us being a dogfight with them and making sure that they understand 
we're the Pac-12. Yeah, Oregon and Utah put a serious whipping on some big sky schools last weekend, but uh, I, I, you know, I do think Montana State's going to present a few challenges, especially they, they, their quarterbacks are going to run a lot, and you know, Oregon State will have to, they'll have to, you know, put their defense together to, to, you know, to contain that because that's not something they're going to see every week. But um, yeah, I'm just curious what, <laughs> I mean, have you had, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember who you would have played in 16 and 17, but did the, did the coaches, you know, try to really get you to buy into, you know, this is a big sky opponent and we, we you know, we got to, you know, whatever. And, and did you guys kind of look at them like, yeah, okay, coach, sure. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I you, think, you, I think was Portland State Idaho was or Idaho yeah. State, and we played Portland State yeah. too. And it was like a okay, guys, this should be a cakewalk. Like I don't expect them to get any yards receiving wise on you. You know, I don't expect this. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, we got this. And then you know, all of a sudden, we weren't the best team, so we actually had to fight for it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I. I Jonathan made a pretty big point today in the, in his press conference about, you know, how good Montana state was. And, you know, he, he's not, you know, obviously he's, he's not wrong. Montana state is one of the better teams they are going to play, but still, I mean, Oregon state does, does have better players at pretty much every position. So, you know, if they do take care of business, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it's a game in the fourth quarter, but We've been surprised before. There's been, you know, Oregon State has had some trouble with some FCS opponents over the years, even lost to some. So, um, so this is the uh, part of the of the pot, the end of toward the end of the podcast where we take some questions from from readers. I put something out on Twitter an hour ago or so just to see what was out there. Let's uh, let's see what we got here. Um, let's see. Um, Oh, well, the, the question is, would it be more difficult of, of a game if Montana State were in Corvallis or um, or, or, or not? Um, I, I don't think it matters where they're playing the game. I, I don't see – I mean, do you, do you think there's any, any difference whether they're playing at Reese or not? No, not at all. I think either way, Oregon State's going to play well. Portland or Oregon – I don't see a difference in this one at all. He also asks, uh, you know, if does do, do you see Oregon State – going to Portland up there every year and I, the answer's absolutely not. This is a, this is a one off. They had they had the construction on the stadium going on. It was a chance to go up and do something for their fans, but they're building research stadium to make money and they're not going to they're not going to take their you know their home games up to Portland for that. So no, they're this is a one off and 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 I don't expect I don't expect Oregon State to play in Portland anytime soon. Um now the question here, it says, what, what does it take for a team, I guess they're asking about Oregon State, what does it take for Oregon State not to relax and take their foot off the off the neck of a of an opponent, so to speak, when you have a lead like you did against Boise State? Is is that coachable, teachable? Is it something on the players to correct? Um, I mean, guy, I, I mean, I think part of it is Oregon State's n- not been in that position a lot to where they have a big lead and, you know, they got to put a game away. I just think that's something you, you know, you have to experience a few times, I guess, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think even on that, like what I, I mean, what I would do as a coach is I look back at when I played, we played Washington state at home and score was like 24 to three at halftime came back after halftime and they come back and beat us. So, you know, like I think with, 
uh, yeah, again, Oregon State's not always in that predicament because it's not normal for us. But I feel that, you know, to help a team keep staying humble, you put up a score that shows them, hey, you're not as great as you think you are until that moment. And then they'll see that every day. So like one thing that they did is they threw one of the scores on inside of our locker room from like an older game from either the year before, or like earlier that year. And they said it in our locker room for like a week. So everything we had to do, we had to see that score. So it just it aggravates you. It riles you. So when you go into each game, you think of that score and you make sure that it's a point of emphasis that it's not happening again. So, you know, I think one thing for, you know, Coach Smith is like, hey, you guys think you're you're good. Just remember, we just lost to Utah State in a bowl game. Yeah. So that tells you how great you really are until you prove us until you prove the country and anybody and everybody right. wrong. So, you know, it keeps you on a humble horse because it's they could think that they're doing a lot of great things right now, but it's only the beginning of the season. Yeah. And on top of, you haven't won a bowl game yet. So that's what they need to understand. So next question. Now this is, I, I can answer this one. Do you think Musgrave will be available for the USC game? Answer, who knows? Um, he's not going to play this week against Montana State. I don't expect Oregon State's going to... Uh, rush out there and and let the world know if Luke Musgrave is going to play against USC. I I expect if he's going to play, they're going to slow play that all week and and not let anybody know that he's going to play cuz you know, he's 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 a weapon for sure. He's a leading receiver right now. Um and he's hard to he I mean, Fresno State did everything they could to guard him and they he finally got loose a few times, but he he's a hard one to defend. Um Another question here is why is why is Coletto more successful in the Wildcat than others? I mean, I have a few ideas, but what do you, what why do you what do you think? I think he's more successful in the Wildcat because I mean, he's six what six four six five two thirty two forty at quarterback. He reminds me of like a a somewhat version of like Cam Newton. You can't stop him when he wants to go downhill. Um. We're ready to help him run the ball. He has all the positivity behind the team, so they're ready and more enthused to be able to block for him. Uh, he's more times only used in short down situations, which makes it a lot easier to get on top of he always breaks one. He finds the gap. He's a great because he was already a quarterback to start off, so he understands how to read formations, defensive schemes, and he plays linebacker yeah. still. I mean, I, I think the reason he's so successful is, A, he's – He's really smart. I mean, he's 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 got a degree in mechanical engineering. You don't get through that that degree program without some brains. And but more more importantly, he's a quarterback. I mean, he he played the position in high school. He played it in JC. He came to Oregon State and played it. I mean, you know, he knows how to read a defense. You know, he he reads offenses while he's playing defense. Um, I mean, he's just kind of built for that because he he he's he he knows what to do and. I don't think that's that's something a lot of wildcat quarterbacks do. Most of them are what converted running backs, and you know they're just not used to reading a defense like a quarterback. So I, I mean, I think that's why he's you know he's better than most at, at doing stuff like that. Um, 
Let's see, last one here. Um, the Beaver defense stopping Fresno in the red zone and forcing six field goals was a big stat in the game that not too many people are talking about. Uh, well, <laughs> I've been talking about it a lot. I, it's one of the questions, <laughs> first questions I asked Jonathan after the game because, I mean, I, I thought that was huge. If the, uh, had they given up, had they given up, uh, you know, one or two one. of those field goals and if they'd been touchdowns and it was game over, I mean, that was it. I mean, we hear this bend but break defense, and you kind of laugh at it a little bit because it's like it seems it seems like a little bit of give up. But you know, it's you're going to give up yards, and the, you know the other teams are good, and you're going to give up yards. But if you can play well when the when all the chips are on the table, that's I guess that's when games are won. And so I don't know, dude. What do, what do, what do you think about the bend but don't break defense theory? I mean, yeah, I. I somewhat agree. You really don't want them in the red zone. So that's why, like, I like one of my favorite teams since high school is Georgia uh, for collegially. They just don't let really teams get to the red zone. But what Oregon State does great at is, again, like you're saying, the bend but break. I mean, when they get to the red zone, it's it's almost locked down right now, which is very nice to see. And it's really good. And, you know, I'd rather take that than any touchdown. So I think it's a lot of progress. And again, like, we're getting there. We're making the steps that are needed to become a successful yeah, program. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a wrap on this week's be- edition of Beaver Banter, a podcast. Remember, you can find this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to uh, check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to talk about the Beavers game against Montana State up in Portland. and Well, not up in Portland. We're actually up in Portland. I'm in Corvallis right now doing this, so I guess it would be up in Portland. You're in Portland, so uh, and 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 then you know, and then uh, and then more importantly, next week we'll be talking about playing USC on on September 24th, which should you know, kind of kind of the early game of the year. So um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>